1: Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us.
0: Hi, I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zippybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zippy Mag where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zippymag.com. We have classes at zippyclasses.com, and I recently opened a books Alice is a graduate of Columbia University. This is her first book. She lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and Amagansett, New York. Welcome, Alice. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks for coming. Thank you so much. I'm
2: so happy to be here. Yay. And, and, and congratulations on your novel, How Fabulous and Scary. I might be projecting with that last no, it <laughs> adjective,
0: <is>. but... <laughs> it is scary. And I was just doing copy edits this morning. and I'm like, I don't think this is very good. I don't know. Now I want to rewrite the whole thing. So anyway, I just started changing everything. And I, I know I have to stop.
2: <laughs> but no, I totally get it. I'm in the process of recording my audiobook right now. And I can't change it, but I want to. Yep, and I'm yep. <laughs> resisting every urge to text my editor like, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm told it's very good, so <laughs> I'll just trust you don't need, everyone You don't else. need to change anything for your book, I promise. <laughs> as a
0: reader, I, I can stand by that. So why don't you tell <laughs> listeners what your book is about, when and why you decided to write the memoir, and we'll go from there.
2: Who okay. Well, first of all, I'd like to think of it as a coming-of-age story about identity and human connection and family. A survival thriller about dissociative disorder and psychiatric malpractice and an unlikely love story. But I think the title is super helpful for... It kind of lets me take you on a tour of the whole book. So everything, right? So I was the daughter of two deeply self-destructive, self-absorbed artists who... Were believed they kind of lived in an alternate universe where the power of their minds could shape reality. And everything was abstracted, turned into art, including me. So my mother was a renowned painter and she was a victim of an overzealous clinician who implanted memories of ritualized child sex abuse and murder and that really caused her to hide in her work and be unable to connect with the people around her and my father was a European film star who really treated parenthood as this radical philosophical experiment in the total annihilation of boundaries. So, given this context, I'm sorry to laugh. <laughs> That's it's just such a great, I love how you described that. Okay, anyway, go on. It is the only appropriate reaction. <laughs> we might be crying by the end, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to all of the emotions. <laughs> so, basically, with these outsized characters in my life, they really felt like characters instead of people. I was really flooded by their desires, their deficits, and I became everything. Of an idea, a wife, a daughter, a mother. Then when I hit adolescence, a dissociative disorder arrived and it wiped out my identity. I couldn't recognize my face in the mirror. I didn't know where the words I spoke were coming from. I had no connection to my history, my body. I really believed I didn't exist. So I became nothing. Crazy. And, you know, responding to this, psychiatrists, kept prescribing more and more and more medications and convincing me that the few feelings that did manage to arise were pathological. And then coupled with a mother who didn't like to feel, that became the norm. So I was medicated farther and farther away from myself. And then writing was really the only tether to reality. And then when I met my now husband, my partner of 15 years, it was really his, and he's you know also a recovering addict and alcoholic his compassion, his kindness, he's virtuosic in, in loving. I mean, it's really incredible to see. He really taught me to turn outward and connect with people. And that helped me connect with my mother when she was diagnosed with dementia, with my father from whom I'd been estranged. And I became someone. So that's that's the book.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: What a beautiful description. Oh my gosh. See, even the way you talk, it's like the way you write. It's like everything has so much feeling and energy and like a turn of phrase that's like really interesting and powerful. Anyway. Thank you. Thank you. I was so taken with the details of your childhood and growing up. Like You described the way you grew up in such vivid detail and in such a I mean, your childhood was so unique. I mean, everybody feels their childhood was unique in the set of the other. For sure. I mean, when you talk about like creeping through these hallways and setting off alarms, trying to get to your dad, you know, I have to like still sleep next to my son. You know what I mean? Like two Mm -hmm. feet away. I'm like, how about I sleep (laughs) down? No, no, no. Sleep right there. And, you know, your trips to Germany with your your Mm -hmm. grandparents and like the conversations with your dad and the stuff he would tell you about like the sexual relationships with your mom. And oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. just... You you try as a reader to put yourself in the shoes of you as a young girl and like, how does someone cope with all of that? What happens next? How
2: does that person grow up? Well, what's so funny is that I actually, while I was writing it, I mean, I've been writing it for 15 years, but while I was writing it and uh, working with my editor, I kept thinking that it was boring and not what? unique because I'd it'd been so normalized for me. Mm-hmm. This chaos had yeah. been so normalized and my editor would just, her mouth, her jaw would be on the, <laughs> on the floor as I just said, well, should I add this other thing about him trying to bring my pet rat back to life? And, oh my you know, God, that scene. Just... <laughs> oh my
0: God. With like the tinfoil and the freezer. And then the, oh my God, I could not believe that scene. Actually. I'm glad you brought it well, up.
2: And it's, it's so funny. The, the, the things that I would, sort of the anecdotes I would tell casually and thinking they were either endearing or funny (laughs) and they just go, oh my God, Alice. (laughs) So it's been funny becoming reacquainted with my own history Mm -hmm. through the writing of this book. I'm kind of meeting myself for the first time in a lot of ways. So that's been really fascinating to find out ways in which my experience has been really universal because I think there are a lot of things in the book people can relate to. But there are a lot of really crazy stories that you know at the bare minimum will keep people entertained. So to answer how I got through it, I mean, it was really writing. Mm -hmm. It was, first of all, I would think in the third person when I was little. So I would metabolize that chaos through storytelling, and I would say, you know, she is walking down the street; the rain falls on her jacket. And then I would be, you know, sitting on a gurney, scribbling in a notebook, and writing really saved my life in a big, big way. And I, and audiobooks too. I would populate my life with all of these characters, and it it made me feel like I was in control. It made me. Feel not so alone. So
0: tell me more about the feeling you get from writing. Like when you would tell the stories and when you would write and like paint some pictures mm. for me of like you writing now, you writing then, the 15 years to writing this book. Like what does this
2: writing wow. session for you look like? What a great question. So it really feels like I'm dropping into myself from a dizzying height. And that the the air thickens enough for me to be able to breathe. Because it really is, it's the place I feel safest. It's the place I feel competent. It's the place I feel that I have agency. It's the place that I can make decisions because I hate decisions. (laughs) I mean, really, I just... From what to eat every night to what to wear to what to do with my life, I just hate decisions. So writing... I'm better with big decisions than small decisions. (laughs) For a while, I could not even just... I would
0: like stand in a street corner and be like, should I go this way? Should I go that way? I'm just gonna... No, I think I'm gonna go this way. No, actually, maybe I'll go to the store first. (gasps) I don't know. Maybe I'll try this. But then it's like, should I move to LA? Yes, I should should I do this? Uh, I- <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let, you know, I don't know. It's bizarre. <laughs> oh, I totally get that. I totally, and absolutely. Do you regret your decisions at all? All the, I'll, I rethink every okay. decision, every decision oh, yeah. all the time. Should I have done that? Oh, back then, like, I feel like if I can, and then I try to change most of my decisions. So now oh, I'm like only yeah. buying refundable f- tickets at this point. <laughs>
2: yes. And then you're sort of <laughs> flabbergasted when you can't change the decision. You're like, this is life. Wait, 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 wait. Well,
0: to be you know. honest, I was just saying this to somebody, like, because I'm so used to changing everything and like feeling like, oh, if I just do this, I'll get to perfection. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, mm-hmm. oh, this will be like with loss, like you can't go back and change a thing, yeah. illness, yeah. loss, anything. And you're like, exactly. oh yeah. So it turns out this is all a joke. I'm not in control of anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly. The good old life—that joke that we all love. Yeah. But that's interesting because the book is a great deal about self-doubt. You know, yes. it's about all of the stories I was told about myself or told myself. Yep. You know, my and and not knowing what the truth is, and spending you know thirty-seven years and two hundred and eighty-eight pages to not necessarily get to the truth, but to get to a moment where all of. So many things, so many truths can exist simultaneously, and yep. I can remain whole in the center of that realization. And I can honor other people's reality too. Because this book, you know, I was estranged from my father for 13 years for many of the reasons that you mentioned of his inappropriateness, but also because of embellishment and lies, embellishments and lies that were were told about him. And this book helped me find my way back to him and gave me back a relationship to my father. So that's also what writing does for me is it connects me with other people. I feel like I raised this book and now the book is raising me. Aww. So it's... And it continues to connect me with people. I mean, us sitting right here and talking about it. It's so exciting, the power of... Of storytelling.
0: So true. I know without these books, it's like I would never have met the most interesting people in the world. It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah. Without this book, I wouldn't have met myself too.
0: Which is even better. Yes. Amazing. When you summarized the therapeutic sort of re-immersion into childhood abuse of your mom... When I read that section, I was like, did this happen or did this not happen? Because you you gave us evidence of some things and the family friends who were involved and all that. And, and then I'm like, how do you even know? I mean, maybe that's the question overall. Like, how do we know what happened? How does she know?
2: What do you think? Exactly right. And also, how do we differentiate between instinct and, you know, fear or instinct and trauma, yeah. residual trauma? So I think... I almost said it doesn't matter what I think because it was her experience. But I think something happened. I think she was deeply, deeply, deeply hurt. And I think the experience of being deeply hurt was not livable for her, was not tolerable. So she had to create these elaborate, outlandish, unbelievable stories about you know, essentially a satanic sex cult that she was forced to participate in as a child. And because they were so enormous, the fact that she couldn't move beyond it made made her less culpable for not wanting to, not being able to move beyond it, you know? Because it's so enormous, how can anyone contend with a history of being forced to bury the body of a old seven-year-old, seven-year-old on a beach? How can anyone get over that? So right. the fact that she you know, continued to hide, continued to drink, continued to protect herself in destructive ways that made it more understandable in a way to herself. And, but I think, you know, I think she was just so afraid. And I, you know, writing this book, I wrote myself into a place of deep, deep empathy for her. I mean, I I can't imagine. And I'm... I'm proud of her in a lot of ways. The anger I felt has transformed into compassion. And I wish I could tell her all of that. I mean, uh, next month will be the year anniversary of her death. And I was able to share the book with her before she died and the cover and all of that. But I really wish that we could have been peers. And we could have spoken about everything I've learned from writing this book.
0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per
2: week. Individual results may vary.
1: Hi, I'm Dori Shafrier. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families.
0: Now that the book is out, in the book, you talk about, you know, not just seeing yourself again, but also the people surrounding this whole sort of operation, right? How mm-hmm. you have, uh, like, every, you know, the, the image you have with the fire department being called and the flames, right, going up <laughs> when there's a party, like there were, it was not just you and your parents and your nanny and whatever. It was, there were a lot of bystanders who were going to the bathroom in front of you and like all, so who are all these people and the sick people who would come and recover and annex and whatever, where are they now? Are they, do they see themselves in this
2: book? Are you still in touch? Like, like the whole extended scene. I'm in touch. Uh, some of them have died, unfortunately. And I am in touch with many of them. And they're super proud of me. So Yay. that feels really good. And it's been really nice to, you know, I I was grossly, grossly over medicated by the psychiatric community for over a decade. And to the point where, you know, being on so many stimulants and downers and everything else in between, it was like. A personality growing on top of my personality. And I couldn't, I couldn't listen. I couldn't be a good friend. I couldn't, I was hostile. I was, I mean, it, it was terrible. So I didn't, I wasn't able to connect with people the way I wanted to. So now I'm friends with all of my mom's friends. I'm friends with, you know, almost everyone has mentioned in the book the nice people. <laughs> and it feels really good to have these relationships with them on my own terms when i'm healthy or in the process of getting healthier and healthier because we're never re- i'm never really fully cured from the human condition but i it's been one of the great joys of my life to rediscover these relationships and have it have a happy ending oh, nice. that's why the acknowledgement section is so long because i just <laughs> there's so many wonderful people in my life and i love them all and i'm so grateful and lucky Oh, that's, so, that is amazing! Yeah, wonderful. And I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm also so proud of, of my dad because he's been so wonderful with facing this book, being out in the world. I mean, it's not easy to have something like this written about you, and he's been so supportive and so wonderful. And I'm really proud of him. Did
0: you worry about it? Like, did you worry that it was too much? Like, did you worry like too
2: much? That's like the motto of my, that's like my family crest motto too much. Okay. But yeah, I mean, it's, in, it's, no, no, it's interesting. It's a great question because well, in terms of the honesty level, Right. I mean, you've read it, you know the things I reveal. Yeah. In in, and in what graphic detail. And it's really funny because it never occurred to me while I was writing it that I could say anything but everything. Mm -hmm. It didn't occur to me that I could scale it back Mm -hmm. until it was too late. So, you know, now that the book is going to be out in the world, I'm kind of going, oh my God, what have I done?
0: <laughs> as a read, it's great as a reader, you know, but this is like you and your life and, you know, you have to like bop along and keep going after I put the book down. So. <laughs>
2: exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. So, but in terms of my father and it being too much, the answer is no, I never really thought of that because I think in the middle of all of the sort of uncomfortable stuff, there was that kernel of trust because we are all artists in my family. So it kind of never occurred to me that I couldn't pour everything of who I am and everything I have into my work. It's what my mother did. It's what my father did. And I trusted that. Mm -hmm. I trusted that intrinsic part of us that understands that need to divulge, that need to figure it out. Yeah. And I really tried in the book for it not to be an indictment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really the only time it's an indictment is it of the American psychiatric complex. That's really my lingering anger. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing against my father, nothing against my mother. So it's, I'm really glad I went all the way. And I think it was only, and I say this in the book, it was only because we could say, you know, everything, you know, every, anything to each other that we could say everything we needed to. Yeah. So that was, it's part of it.
0: After all your experiences with the psychiatric association and medication and all this, yeah. like, how, where are you now with medication? Do you, are you medicated? You don't have to answer this. Like, do you, how do you feel about it in general? Like,
2: so I think responsible medicating can save lives. Mm-hmm. You know, good therapy saves lives. So, and I think also getting well is, it's a collaborative effort, and it's a developing story. Mm-hmm. I think what happened with me, and, and I can't speculate about what motivated, let's call him Dr. Serini, as I call him in the book, <laughs> what motivated him. You know, I I hope it wasn't just, you know, paid by the pharmaceutical industry. I don't know. I can't speculate. But I think there was a rigidity and a... You know, he told me I'd have to be on medication the rest of my life, and you know told me that i was bipolar and i have not been on medication for bipolar disorder for almost a decade and i've been completely symptom free so and that's scary to realize it's scary when i when i started going off of the adderall it scared me how easy it was and it scared me how much i liked myself off of it mm-hmm. because i was just doing what i was told and what i was told was to take so much medication that it gave me a psychotic episode and it made me overdose so i continue to work on myself i mean i'm i'm never going to be done and i'm i all i know is that i feel really good and even when i don't feel well i'm doing well and because i think that's an important distinction yes, it is yeah. and i have an incredible partner.
0: Yeah, tell me, tell me more about oh, the state of oh, affairs yeah. there.
2: <laughs> the, the state of affairs. I mean, I'm still after 15 years. I'm still in pinch me mode. He's so kind. He's so supportive. He's so creative. He's so handsome. Blah blah blah. All the adjectives. But what's <laughs> great? What I, I, the story I love is the editing process involves me reading the entire manuscript out loud to him seven times. And he will pace back and forth and he'll go, wait, what are you trying to say? And then we shout words at each other until one of us goes, oh, that's it. And then we high five. And just, we're so enmeshed in so many ways. I mean, we like the same things. Um, And now, you know, we collaborate and we work together. And he helps me you know, in that most intimate sphere, which is my work. So I'm so grateful. I'm really lucky. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful for him. His name's Gregory. I don't know if I mentioned that, but he's a real life person, not just a character in a book. <laughs> <laughs> and he is that great. I don't exaggerate in the book. Honestly. So that's really helped. I mean, he's, he's, he's in recovery. He's in the program. I'm sober too. I'm not in the program. So he, he i get sort of a contact high for lack of a better term in this context from you know his work in the program and also he's just he was really patient with me while i was getting sober and i w- wasn't sober for a long time so that's been really helpful having someone who has that patience has that insight and can commiserate me with me about how freaking weird being alive is you know <laughs> <laughs> just I feel like that's
0: that's an important part. It the, it is it is all completely bizarre, crazy, and you know, <laughs> also like anyway. I won't even go to the meaning of life with you.
2: Anyway, <laughs> oh, okay, but I want to hear more about that on the next installment. No, no,
0: yeah, Zippy gets weird about next week on our discussion on the meaning of life. But um, No, that's all so wonderful. And after this whole thing, like how was the publication process for you and going through that and selling the book and marketing the book and like how how has this all been? Oh my goodness.
2: Well, it's it's out August 29th. Yeah. So it's but not still, even out yet. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean yeah, yeah, still, there's so much stuff. I honestly I love every moment of it. I my fetish is the minutiae is the paperwork. I'm like, give me more questionnaires to fill out. Tell me, you know, the print. I wanted to go and see the book being printed. I mean, this has been my dream since I was six years old. I have wanted to be a writer since I was six. So I feel so honored, so privileged, so lucky, all the words, all the synonyms just to, to be in this position. I mean, I, I just, I can't believe it. And I mean, it took it took a long time. My incredible agent, Kim Witherspoon, scooped me up, uh, I think four years ago. And then we rewrote. She helped me. She gave me some tips and I rewrote and I rewrote and I rewrote. And then my incredible goddess of an editor and publisher, Julie Grau at Spiegel and Grau, she saw me. She got it. And she's, She's genius and the, the biggest delight to work with. I mean, we worked on Thanksgiving. We worked on Sundays. And I mean, I have... This is the best... Has been the best moments of my life. Of my life. I am so happy that I get to sit here and talk about what I wrote and what I experienced. And I'm so grateful and I can't wait and it's and i'm scared i'm scared out of my mind i mean my heart right now is pounding out of my chest and you know sometimes i'm scared i'm going to forget my own name but you know I, it's been great and i'm i'm learning you know i, I did a panel and i said some pretty bonker stuff i don't know if you saw the panel but it was about you know some sex stuff and i'm i'm learning what's an overshare and what's an overshare you know? so <laughs> I'm just, I still can't believe that my dream has come true. And little Alice is just in tears of joy every minute. In fact, Gregory, if he I'm not a big crier, but Gregory, if he wants to help me ground myself in the moment and and acknowledge all the beautiful things happening, he'll just start talking about little Alice. No. And he goes, What do you think little Alice would? I mean, I'm I'm getting a little choked up. Just <laughs> little Alice gets me every time because she's, you know, she's living her dream. And she almost gave up a, a bunch of times. So I'm really glad she didn't. I'm really glad she didn't too.
0: And I'm really <laughs> excited for you. And thank you. <laughs> proud of little Al, the little Alice, the what the you've shared with the reader, you know, that we know of you. And it's really wonderful and a huge accomplishment. And I'm really rooting for you. And I'm very excited for you.
2: Thank you so much, Zibby. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is also, I mean, pinch me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I hope, and I loved
0: talking to you. I love talking to you too. I know more more to come on the meaning of life <laughs> <laughs> from the experts who know nothing. Exactly, that, that's yeah. how I feel. Yes, <laughs> from the completely oblivious, <laughs> to, uh, you know, to everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, keep me posted on stuff and stay in touch. And good Amazing. luck. Amazing. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Okay. It was so great to meet you. You too. You too. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye.